of the Lord tonight. Come on, everybody. Come on, everybody, man. We love you. We're glad you're here. Hey, do we have anybody here from the Next Level Conference just worship with us tonight? Would you stand up if we have any Next Level folks on any of our campuses? That's what I'm talking about right there. Okay. Big Scott from Terre Haute, Indiana, baby. Glad to have you here, man. Thanks for coming. Thanks for everybody who came to the Next Level. It's awesome. I'm really thankful that our communicator tonight came to share with us at the next level. His name is Steve Poe. Steve is sitting right over here, and his wife Sandy is with him. Sandy, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. We love you guys. Steve is one of my good buddies. I love this man. I had an opportunity to visit his church a summer, a couple summers ago. God is doing a remarkable, remarkable work up there. And Lord, if anybody needs the gospel, they need it up north. Can I get amen? Amen. And man, I'm telling you what, he's bringing it, man. It is an amazing church, 13 campuses, four of them in prisons, where people in prison are hearing the gospel and getting saved every weekend. Isn't that amazing? That's an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. Man, I'm telling you, uh, Steve went to that church when he's just a wee lad, and he's been there for the last 23 years. He's done an amazing job. He's got two godly kids who are serving in the ministry today. We are blessed to have Steve Poe come and share with us. Let's give him a warm, compassionate Christian welcome as Steve Poe comes to bring the Word of God for us, y'all. Well, good evening. Hey, it is, it is awesome to be here. Thank you for that warm welcome. And uh, you met my wife, Sandy. That's my best friend, and so I'm so glad to have her with me. And um, I, Cam and I are a part of a group of tribe of guys that meet. We call it the 5K group, and we meet um, a couple times a year. And I've been in the group. He's been in much longer than I have. I've only been in the group about seven years. But when I joined the group, they welcomed me in. And uh, Cam and Sarah have just been incredible friends. They were one of the first to reach out. And, uh, you know, if you're a guest here tonight, can I just tell you, um, I know Cam. He's the real deal. I mean, they are salt-of-the-earth people. And I know a lot of times when you visit a large church like this, you're starting to wonder, you know, can I trust that pastor? There's so much going on anymore at churches. You can trust him. He loves people. He loves God. And I'm just, uh, we feel honored to know him. And I would also say to all of you that come on a regular basis, don't take for granted what God's doing here at Compassion Church. Seriously, you know, when you come every weekend, sometimes you think this is what everybody experiences when they go to church. That's just not the case. What God is doing, guys, there are 330,000 churches in America today, and what God is doing here in your church, in Compassion Church, is only happening in about 100 churches across America. It is incredible, and I believe you're only beginning to see what God's going to do here. I think you're just at the precipice of what God is going to happen or what God's going to do at your church. So 
you're in a good place, if you're visiting and looking for a church, this is the place to land. I'm very, very serious. So we had a, a guy, I wanted to tell you a little story. We had a guy um, in our church come up to me, and uh, he, they were talking about there was a, a kid that uh, was just acting out. His dad was a pilot, and so um, uh, I said something to his father about his behavior, and his dad said, I, I'll take care of it. And uh, so he took him up in the plane, this 11-year-old kid, and I don't know what he did, I don't know what he said, but I'm telling you, when they got back, this kid was a model child. I mean, he was... I don't know what went went on, but he was respectful, he was behaved, he was friendly to everybody. So another one of the dads said, went up to this pilot father, and he said, I don't know what you did, but could I, if you ever have a talk with him again, or take him up, can I go with you? I want to learn from you. And so about, I don't know, I think it was three or four weeks later, he said, he called him, and he said, I'm going up again, I'm taking, I'm taking my boy up, it's time for another talk, if you want to go along. He said, I do. And so um, he went up, and so this dad comes back to me, and he's like, Pastor, he said, you really have no idea what's going on up there. And uh, he said, I knew you wouldn't believe me, so I I took a picture of it, and I I brought the picture. I think we've got that. (laughs) So anyway, actually, I I was just kidding. They don't go to Northview Church, but anyway. Father, I thank you and I praise you for your faithfulness and just the opportunity to be here with a group of people that love you. And I just, I thank you for Compassion Church. I thank you for the way your spirit is moving. And I ask your God, you just continue to bless this congregation, to bless this church, to bless their pastors. I just pray, use them as you have, Father. Lord, I just ask that now as we get into your word, as we get into your message, that you would help it to come alive. Open up our eyes and ears that we could see and hear all that you want to do in each one of us. Thanks, God. We love you and we praise you and ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but I am, honestly, I'm so grateful for the ways that God has blessed me. Sometimes I feel like, and maybe you feel this way, sometimes I feel like the most blessed man in all the world. I mean, seriously, I have an incredible wife. We have an incredible relationship. Uh, I've got great kids, two kids. They're married. We love their spouses. I've got seven grandchildren. My health is good. I love what I get to do in ministry. I mean, every morning I'm still excited to get out of bed. I'm still excited to get in the office. I feel like I'm blessed financially. I'm certainly not saying to you all that uh, I don't have my share of difficulties because I certainly do, just as you do, we all do. But overall, I would tell you that I'm so grateful for what I have. Do you all feel that way in your life? I'm sure you do. We all should feel that way when you begin to realize, guys, that over 80% of the world's population lives on less than $10 a day. Wrap your brain around that. 80% of the world's population lives on less than $10 a day. So that means that if you make more than $10 a day, you are literally in the top 20% of the wealthiest people in the world. So yes, yes, I think we all have a lot to be grateful for. And did you know that gratitude, this was something that, uh, that interested me, did you know that gratitude inspires generosity, that they literally go hand in hand? That when you are grateful, that when you have a heart of gratitude, that it literally inspires us to be generous. It's true. Recent studies have shown that generosity and gratitude go hand in hand. According to John Templeton Foundation, people who feel grateful actually give at least 20% more of their time and money to charity. Grateful people have been shown to be more helpful, more kind, and more supportive. Of course, 
This isn't uh, some new thought that we just came up with in the last decade or the last hundred years. I mean, Paul talked about this correlation all the way back, the correlation between gratitude and generosity he talked about in the first century. In fact, look what he writes in 2 Corinthians 9. It says, yes, you will be enriched. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So the whole, the whole point of that passage is, is that God has blessed you and God has blessed me. Why? So that we in turn will become a generous people and that our generosity will in turn cause gratitude in others. So today I want us to talk about how to be generous. Not how to give, please hear me on this, not how to give, everybody knows how to give. I want to talk to you how to be generous. You see, I believe that Learning this one characteristic, and you're going to think I'm overstating this, so please hear me. I believe learning this one characteristic can literally change your life. I believe it can change the way people perceive you. I believe it'll change the way your children and the way your grandchildren learn from you. It will impact your witness for Christ as much as anything else that you do in life. You see, I'm not trying to get you to do something today. I'm trying to show you how to be something. There is a difference. Because, guys, generosity is more than random acts of giving. Now, random acts of giving generally come about because someone has convinced us to do something or inspired us to do something or maybe even guilted us into doing something. Now, uh, please don't get me wrong, but it, it's, it's like the idea of, of uh, you did, random acts of giving is like you didn't plan on giving. You came tonight, and they're going to talk about they need to raise money for backpacks. And you're like, well, yeah, I feel good about that. So you reach in your pocket, and you pull out a 20. Uh, the, 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 the next door neighbor's raising money for their school project and they knock on your door and you say, well, sure, I'll, I'll give a 20 towards that or whatever. Those are random acts, something you didn't plan on doing. There's nothing wrong with random acts of giving at all. But that's not what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how to be more like Christ. I want to talk about how to be a generous person. Why is that so important? Well, there's several obvious reasons, but I think the most important reason is because God wants us to be generous. I mean, it's the very characteristic and nature of God. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, he gave. You cannot read the New Testament without seeing that Christ was a generous person. 1 John chapter 3, it says, this is how we know what love is. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I love that particular passage. John is basically saying, talk is cheap. Let's not just say we love one another. Let's demonstrate that we love by one another by being generous to each other. Listen, another benefit for being generous is that genuine generosity actually transcends inspiration or guilt. So what do I mean by all of this? Well, generous people are not moved, listen to me on this, generous people are not moved by emotional appeals, and they're almost never moved by guilt. They're moved beyond that in life. They've moved beyond it. They've moved beyond that stage in life. And you'll see what I mean in just a minute. I know this is going to surprise some of you, but generous people will actually give more, they'll save more, and they'll consume less. It's true. 
Now here's what's interesting. Everyone thinks they are a generous person because we can all throw out those examples or times that we gave something. If I were to ask any one of you tonight, if I were to come to you and say, are you generous? Almost everyone in the room would say, yeah, I'm generous. And you would give me examples. You'd say, you know, there was one time the, the Girl Scouts came to the door and they needed 10 bucks for a ticket. I just gave them a 20. You know, or, or you would talk about uh, they were raising money uh, at church for a, a project for the inner city and they were trying to get everybody to give 50 bucks. I just gave them 100. And so we all can think of those examples in our life where we, we did something spontaneous. But just because we have ever given something does not necessarily mean that we are a generous person. In fact, generosity does not come naturally for any one of us. And if you have children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. What's one of the very first words your child learned? How about that? Our kids all learned the same word. Did you teach them that word? Did, did you kneel down with your one-year-old and say, say mine, mine? <laughs> Nobody does that, do they? So where in the world does our kids learn that word? It's just, it just comes natural. Greed comes naturally for all of us. And so we see that as a problem in our kids, and so what do we do as parents? We want to be good parents, and we don't want our kids to, to be that uh, uh, greedy, and so we teach our kids from a long, or young age, when they're, they're fighting with their other friends, because, no, this is my toy, this is mine, and we say, no, 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 you've got to learn to share. We, we don't want our kids to be greedy. We want our kids to be generous, don't we? So we teach our children. It's good to be generous, and yet, even though we've learned to share as a child, there is still that resistance in us as an adult, that selfishness that does not want to give away something we've worked so hard for, that spirit of greed that constantly tries to raise its ugly head and cause us to once again say, no, it's mine. That is my recliner. Get out. That is my remote control. Give it back. That is my car. I worked hard. You don't know how many hours I put in overtime so that I could buy that. That is mine. And so even though we taught our kids how horrible it is to be greedy, we find ourselves drifting right back into it in our own life. And it causes us once again to say, it is mine. And yet, guys, the reality is that everything we have, here's what I want you to hear. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, a follower of Christ, everything we have belongs to God. The Bible says you were bought with a price. Everything we have belongs to God. We are just stewards. We are just managers of God's stuff. And he made it clear that he wants us to give him our first, and he wants us to give him our best. But what do we do? We oftentimes want to give him our last, our leftovers, and we want to give him our worst. And so it's like, it's like okay, we get, well, so we've got a project we're trying to raise money for, and you're like, well, no, I, I just can't. I don't have enough. I can't afford to do it. Or, you know, I do have a little bit left over at the end of the month, so here's a five. We want to give him our last, our leftovers. And, and what, we don't want to give him our best if somebody says, well, you know, we need to raise, we need to, we need to collect clothing for the poor. What do we do? We go into our closet, and we find anything and everything that we should have thrown in the trash a long time ago, and we feel generous by saying, well, here, and we give them all those clothes that we haven't worn for 10 years. And we give it over, and it makes us feel generous. God wants us to give our first, and God wants us to give our best. If we know it all belongs to God, then why in the world is this all so difficult for us? I want to illustrate this, but it's not going to work if every one of you don't participate. I need you to do this with me. I need you to either pull out your wallet, a checkbook, money clip, whatever. But everybody has to do it, or the illustration doesn't work. 
So please don't just look at me. Get your checkbook out. Come on, some of you are just staring at me. You're like, what's he going to do? You're already paranoid. Just get out something. In a minute, you're going to find out why it's not going to work if you don't have one. So please, pull out a checkbook. Everybody got a checkbook? Everybody got your wallet? Something. Some of you, some of you are saying, well, I don't have anything. Well, ask your wife to give you something. <laughs> just please, just pull a wall out. Does everybody got it? I mean, show it to me. I got to see it. Now, see, I can already see a handful of you that aren't showing me. I need you to grab something. Okay, hold it up. Okay, now here's what I need you to do. I need you to turn around just for a moment. You'll understand in a minute. I need you for I need you to give it to somebody near you. Trade it with somebody near you. And it can't be your spouse. No, 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 no. It cannot be your wife or husband. It has to be somebody. You can know them, but they can't be related to you. Sir, you need to let go of that wallet. Come on. Ma'am, she's going to give it back. Give her that. Trade with somebody, all right? Has everybody traded? Yes, sir. Okay, now hold up. Now hold up what you've traded. Okay, we're going to take an offering. And I want you to give like you've never given before. All right, give it back. No, sir, you really do need to give it back. Now let me ask you a question. Guys, why was that so easy? Because it wasn't your money. You, if I, I said give like you've never wanted to give before, you're like, dude, I'll give you thousands of dollars because it's not your money. Guys, that's the point that I'm trying to make. When we finally can come to grips with the fact that everything we have belongs to God. We're just stewards, we're just managers of God's stuff. I mean everything, I don't just mean your finances, I mean every gift, every talent, your time, everything you have has been given to you by God and he's entrusting it to you to manage it. And God makes it clear in scripture that he wants you to be generous with those things he's given you. He wants you to be generous with your time. He wants you to be generous with your gifts and talents. He wants you to be generous with your finances. So it's understanding, first of all, that it's not yours, that it belongs to God, and you need to be faithful with what God has given you. Friends, unless you learn to be a generous person, please hear me, you will struggle with greed, you will struggle with this need for more the rest of your life. For instance, did you know according to the Association of Young Americans, as well as the AARP, both of them did a similar study and came out with the same conclusion that more than half of all Americans actually spend more than they make? Now, think about that. Half of all Americans spend more than they make. And some of you are thinking, well, how is that possible? Credit. Credit is how that's possible. You go into debt, and that's a problem that's happening in America today. Listen, most Americans, most Americans are willing to pay interest on things that decrease in value the moment they take possession of it. The value of the item goes down while the interest we pay brings the cost of the item up. Listen, guys, 50% of Americans have credit card debt, 40% of Americans have a car loan, and over 30% of Americans have student loan debt. Guys, but here is the paradox in America today. We don't feel rich, but we are. Yet we feel generous, but we're not. 
So what does it mean to be generous? Well, I want to quickly give you, if you're a note taker, I hope you'll write this down. And that is I want to quickly give you four myths, four untruths about generosity. These are things that we think are true, but it's a myth. It's an untruth. Number one is generosity is spontaneous. That is a myth. Generosity is spontaneous. That is a myth. It's an untruth. I've already talked about this, but this is where... This is where a community might go through a hurricane, and so we reach into our pocket. We talk about it at church. We reach into our pocket and say, you know what, I want to help. Our church is trying to raise money uh, for backpacks with school supplies, and we say, I want to help. We reach into our pocket. That's spontaneous giving, and as I've already said, there's not a thing in the world wrong with that. It's good to be willing to do that. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're a generous person. Listen, generous people are actually less spontaneous because they're less emotional about their giving. Why? because they've already prayed about it. They've already come up with a plan. They've all, they're already excited about this plan that God's given them. People that are generous people, they think about it ahead of time. It's like, if I'm gonna be a steward, it's like, can you imagine, can you imagine uh, working for a company and the boss says, here's my checkbook, I want you to take care of things, that you would just run his company by spontaneity? I mean, you wouldn't last long. No, you'd, you would want to come up with a plan if you're going to run his company so it would be successful. Well, the same generous people understand the same thing's true. I, I'm, a, I'm a steward of God's finances, and I want to be found faithful, and I want to do it in a way that honors my God, and so I'm going to come up with a plan. I'm going to pray about it, feel good that I've heard from God, come up with a plan, and I'll be excited about that. Second myth. The second myth, the second untruth, generosity is determined by cash flow. That is a myth. That is not true. In other words, I just got paid so I can be generous. Or, no, I'm at the end of the month. I'm sorry, I can't afford to give to this right at this time. It just doesn't work that way, guys. Generous people are always generous people. Generous people are always generous people because it all has to do with an attitude of the heart. When it comes right down to it, what, what, what is God most interested in? He's always most interested in our heart. It always comes down to the attitude of the heart. And when we're talking about money, when we're talking about finances, it comes down to the attitude of the heart. They've already, the generous person has already have it figured out in good times and in bad. So it doesn't matter whether you're at the end of the month, the beginning of the month, it doesn't matter whether you're going through a good time or bad time. You know, when Sandy and I first got married, my dad was a new Christian, and the first thing that he gave over to the Lord was his pocketbook, and so he taught me as an 18-year-old kid how, how to be generous and to put God first. And in those days, everybody wrote checks for everything, and so we put a check. He said, just start a checkbook, Steve, and just call it God's account, and give it to him first, right off the top. And then when you go through tough times, you're going to have what you need to give to God. And it worked. And I can always say that when there were times I was in sales back then and so worked on commission, there were times we were pretty hungry, but we always had what we needed to give for God because we had put it away first. So, again, just because you give on occasion does not mean you're a generous person. I hope this is starting to make sense to you. The third myth, the third untruth, is um, it's the amount that counts. That's a myth. That's not true. You've heard it before, you've heard it a hundred times before. Oh my gosh, she, is, she made such a generous gift to our church. Or wasn't that gift that guy gave to the church generous? Well, you know what the truth is? We really have no idea whether it was a generous gift or not. We have absolutely no idea. I don't care what the amount is. We have no idea whether it was a generous gift or not. No one knows except for the person that gives it. They know whether it was generous or not. Maybe their accountant, 
That would be it. And the, and the example that I think of is the widow's mite. You've all heard the story. But Jesus is, he's in the temple in, in Jerusalem and he's leaning against the wall and he's watching the people come in and give their tithe. Now, I don't, I don't want to chase a rabbit, but guys, can I just tell you, Jesus was watching the people give their tithe. And I believe he's still watching people give their tithe. Why? Not because he cares what they're giving. He's not, he really doesn't care how much you give. What he cares about is the attitude of your heart. What he cares about is why you're giving, the motivation behind it. That's what Jesus is looking for. So anyway, Jesus is, he's leaning against the wall and the people are coming in. In those days they had this pot, it was kind of a metal pot and the coins were metal. And so they'd come in and they'd make a show of it and they'd take their money and they'd throw it in the pot. And so it'd make all kinds of noise. So everybody would turn around like, whoa, that guy's generous. And then the next one, do the same thing. He'd throw all of his change in the pocket, and they go one by one. Jesus is watching all this. And then finally, a little old lady comes in. She has two mites, which are worth less than a penny, and she puts her two mites in there. And Jesus turns to the, the religious leaders that had all gathered around there, and he said, I just want you to know, that little lady gave more than all the rest of them. He said, she gave, he said they gave out of their abundance. She gave all she had. So the only one in the room that really knew who was generous was Jesus. And that really comes down to us too. You know, you may, what we give has nothing to do with the amount of money. What we do has to do with the attitude of the heart. And that's really what Jesus was pointing out at that moment. What you give, what you gave might be generous for you, but again, none of us would ever know. So generosity doesn't have anything to do with the size of the gift. Every one of us, every one of us can be generous and every one of us can make a generous donation regardless of how much we make. Okay, the fourth myth or untruth. Rich people are always generous. That's a myth. Well, of course they're generous. Steve, they're rich. If I were rich, I would be generous too. Guys, please hear me on this. Generosity has absolutely nothing to do with how much money we have. It has absolutely nothing to do with how much money we have in our bank account. A teenager on a limited amount of money can be generous, while a wealthy person may not be generous at all. Parents, that's why, listen, that's why I think it's so important for us to teach our kids to be generous while they're young so that they will grow up with generosity as a value in their life. That we teach our kids, you know, so many times I get parents, they don't want to talk to their kids about their giving. They don't want to talk about their kids about their finances. Their kids are clueless, even as teenagers, they're clueless. And it's like, well, it's none of their business. It's like, you've been given the responsibility to raise your kids in the admonition of the Lord. That's an important aspect in their life. Being a generous individual is extremely important. I think it is a big deal. I think you need to spend some time talking to your kids about this value. And saying, we don't want you to be greedy. We don't want you to grow up in that way. We want you to learn to be a generous person. Because when you become a generous person, you exemplify Christ. You look like Jesus. And that's exactly what every one of us need to do. So then, what does it mean to be a generous person? Well, certainly we need to learn to be a generous person in every area of our life. With our gifts, talents that God has given us, with our words that we speak, we need to be generous. With the time God's given us, we all have the same number of hours in a week. With our influence, with our encouragement, with our forgiveness towards others, we need to be generous in forgiving other people, with our attention that we give people. Instead of ignoring people, we need to be generous to, to give them eye contact, to give them attention. We need to be generous with our stuff. But today what I'm primarily talking about is being a generous person with your financial resources that God has entrusted you with. Because guys, that's the area we struggle with the most. Again, this is about so much more than just giving away cash. And if that's what you're hearing, you're totally missing my point. This is about our heart towards God 
and our motivation to please our Heavenly Father. I come back to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, the verse that we read a few minutes ago. We give to others because of our gratitude towards God. We give to others because of our gratitude towards God. And then our heart of generosity demonstrates to others the love of God or the nature of God. So guys, the heart of a generous person is that they want to give their first and they want to give God their best because they know that it brings him honor. And therefore, they plan it out. And just like it's important to establish a budget, it's important to plan out your giving for an entire year. Now, it might be, your giving might be based on a percentage, depending on whether you're on commission or not. You might base it on a percentage, or it can be an amount of money. But whatever it is, you plan for it. You might also leave a little margin to cover some spontaneous things that might just come up. But, but you already know where the majority is going. Again, it's giving God your first, it's giving God your best. So maybe I start small, Pastor. Maybe I, maybe I just dip my toe in the water. That's fine. It's just say, it's just say you know, in 2020, I'm going to be a generous person. And as you do, your faith will grow. And as you do, I, I, you know what, as I raise a man along the way, and now I, I give more than a tithe. In my personal giving, we, we tried to, it was hard for us in the early days when we were younger and we had kids at home. And it was always hard, but we were always faithful to, to give a tithe to the Lord. But as things have gotten... Uh, better, we've tried to increase that all the time. Listen, friends, here's another reason why generosity should be such a big deal in our life. When you plan and control your finances, when you plan and control your giving, you will set yourself free from the hold or the grip that money can have on your life. You set yourself free from the financial bondage that you'll be under. Because I'm telling you, when we don't, when we're greedy, it's like a dark cloud coming over us. When we hold tightly to money, it's like the burden of money starts to come around us. But when we get loose and generous with our finances and everything else that God has blessed us with, it sets us free. Some people lose sleep because they can't pay their bills. They fret because they know they should give to God. But they don't feel like they can because things are so tight. I'm just telling you, friends, generous people rarely, if ever, lose sleep over money because they have planned it out. Now in Acts... We see Paul traveling all around the Mediterranean realm, and he's planting churches as he goes. He did three missionary journeys. He's in the city of Ephesus, and he's about to leave them to travel to Jerusalem, and he knows he's going to be arrested. I mean, he just senses his time is coming to a close. So he knows he's going to be arrested for his faith, and that the people of Ephesus will probably never see him again. So he's, he's saying his goodbyes, and they know it. They sense that they're never going to see Paul again. And so they, they're begging him not to go. They're trying to talk him out of not going. But he begins to remind them of some of the things that he taught them. He says, you know, I never shrank back. Listen to me. Paul says, I never shrank back from telling you the truth and what you need to hear. By the way, if you're a visitor, that's why you should come to Compassion Church. Because Cam never shrinks back at telling you what you need to hear. You want to know the truth? He's going to tell you the truth. And that's what Paul was saying. He's telling you the truth, what you need to hear. He said, I warned you about the false teachers. And he said, I shared the gospel message with you. And he says, I've also, listen, he said, I've also lived my life as an example of generosity. He's not bragging, he's not boasting, but he realizes how important it is that each of them become a generous person as well. He's saying, look, when I'm gone, when I leave, I want you to continue to live a generous life. Look at Acts chapter 20. It says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
It is more blessed to give than receive. Jesus said it was more blessed to give than receive. Honestly, I think most people misunderstand what that verse is saying, and I need to explain it, so stay with me. Most of us misquote that verse. We usually hear this when there's an uh, instance of giving. We say something uh, that we feel good about, or maybe we're, we're trying to encourage someone else to give. And so we're trying to encourage them to give to our cause, and so we say, well, you know, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We want them to feel good about that. So we say that. But friends, Jesus wasn't, listen, Jesus wasn't talking about an event. He wasn't talking about a moment in time. When he, he said, when I gave a gift, he's talking about a way of life. The word blessed here means happy. So Paul is looking at these people in Ephesus and he's saying, look, I've lived a generous life around you. And you will find that if you live a generous life, you will be a happy person. You will experience happiness. So you, you will be happy, not because of a moment in time that you gave something, but you will be happy because your heart has been transformed. You will be happy because your heart has changed and you've now become a generous person. So now I hope you understand the difference between giving and becoming a generous person. Because I'm not trying to get something from you tonight. Listen, I promise this is not a surprise fundraising service. Cam, Cam did not invite me here to take some special offering today. But what I am trying to do is show you the importance of becoming a generous person. Now I'm gonna say something. I'm gonna say something that's gonna surprise many of you. It's gonna take you back a little bit because of the stereotypes that are out there about the church world today, unfortunately. So I want you to, to, to look up here. The church is not supposed to be in the fundraising business. The church is not supposed to be in the fundraising business. Now, guys, there's a lot of great organizations. There are a lot of parachurch ministries that will try to motivate you to give. They'll try to inspire you to give. And that's okay. I'm not being at all critical of them. That's the way they support themselves. That's, why they, that's what they need to do to survive. But the church's responsibility is to train up disciples. The church's responsibility is to teach believers to be like Jesus. The church's responsibility is to train people to take on the characteristics and the nature of Jesus. It's to teach us to be generous as Christ was generous. Now, of course, there's going to be times, I don't want to mix words here, there's going to be times that the church is trying to raise funds for a project, and that's okay, and we make it clear as a church, we say, okay, guys, this is a different deal. We, we have what we call the Northview Dollar Club, and so four times a year I come to them and I say, okay, guys, and everybody give a dollar. And so everybody gives a buck, we're raising money, and we give a buck, and we go out and bless a family with it, or we go out and bless a ministry that's in need with it. And so that's, that's raising money. So there's going to be those times for projects. I'm just saying that's not the purpose of the church. That's not the mission of the church. The church's responsibility, the church's mission is to train you to be like Jesus. It's to teach you the importance of giving God your first and giving God your best. Remember, guys, everything you have, I cannot say this enough, everything you have, all of your gifts, all of your talents, all of your time, all of your finances, it all belongs to God. And you will never live free until you wrap your brain around that. You will never live the abundant life that Christ wants you to live until you wrap your brain around that, until you have one of those spiritual aha moments that say, oh my gosh, it's not mine. Everything I have belongs to God. I'm just a steward or a manager, and one day I'm going to stand in the presence of God, and I'm going to give an account on how I did. 
I'm going to give an account on him on what I did with what he entrusted me with. Remember, God has blessed you so that you can be generous and bless others. God has blessed you to be a blessing. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me, if you would. With every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment, how many of you would just raise a hand and say, Steve, I do want to be a good steward of what God has blessed me with. I do want to be a generous person. Just raise your hand and you can put it back down. That's you. Father, I thank you and I praise you for your faithfulness and I thank you, Lord God, for how you've blessed each and every one of us in this room. We are truly a blessed people. Lord, I know that we all struggle and maybe there are those in the room that are going through difficult times right now and every one of us have had those times. But really, when we step back, and we recognize that we are a blessed people. And everything we have has been given to us by you, God. And we want to be a people that are found faithful. We want to be a people that you're pleased with. We want to be a people that brings you honor by the way we handle those things you've put into our charge. Help us to represent you well. And so this year in 2020, as we're at the beginning of a year, I just pray for each person that raised their hand. They raised it as a... Uh, before you, God, to, to make a confession that this is their heart's desire. They want to be a generous person. And so I pray that in 2020, we'll draw a line in the sand and we'll make that commitment that we're going to be generous with all you've entrusted us with, that we're going to be faithful with all you've entrusted us with. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you, God, for your patience, long-suffering. Help us, God, to be the men and women you want us to be. We love you and praise you. We just ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.